Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Johnny Price, the Director of Fundraising at WeFunder, the largest regulation crowdfunding platform. And I was so excited to bring Johnny on to talk all things crowdfunding and a different option for entrepreneurs who want to raise capital. We talk about in depth what WeFunder does, how they're different from other platforms out there, the benefits of regulation crowdfunding, some of the downsides as well, and really how to get started with crowdfunding, deciding if this is right for you, what that process actually looks like, and some success stories, some examples of companies that have raised a couple million dollars with equity crowdfunding as well as what this means for investors, really the everyday person who wants to invest in startups and how this changes the game for them. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. And finally, if you're interested in equity crowdfunding for your startup, head over to justgogrind.com slash WeFunder. You can get a discount on the WeFunder fees and learn more about this crowdfunding process as well. Without further ado, here is Johnny Price, Director of Fundraising at WeFunder. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Justin. Good to be here. Yes, and I'm excited to talk about crowdfunding and WeFunder specifically for people who aren't familiar with WeFunder, what is WeFunder? What's kind of an overview of the company? Yeah, WeFunder is an investment crowdfunding platform. Think of it as Kickstarter for investing. We help startup founders raise up to um, a couple of million dollars in capital from both accredited investors, but also unaccredited investors. Um, And uh, we enable ordinary people as well as millionaires and billionaires to invest in startups they love. And for people who aren't familiar with accredited investor, what is that exactly, Johnny? Yeah, accredited investor is a definition that the SEC put out, um, which basically uh, historically has determined who's able to invest in startups with only accredited investors being able to invest. And historically, the definition of an accredited investor has been that you have either an annual income of $200,000 or more or $300,000 household income. Uh, or a million dollars of uh, assets excluding your house. So it's really kind of basically the the wealthiest 5% of the population or so. And those were the only people that got to invest (laughs) in Google or Uber or Airbnb. Uh, And a few years ago, um, the Jobs Act passed Congress in 2012. Our founders actually helped to to get that legislation through Congress. And then Title III of the Jobs Act um, was called Regulation Crowdfunding. That's what we do at WeFunder. And that's what enables anyone, unaccredited investors as well as accredited investors, to invest in startups through uh, registered funding portals, of which WeFunder is the biggest. And with crowdfunding as well, Johnny, uh, for entrepreneurs who are wondering if this is the route for them, I mean, who are the types of people or companies that should consider crowdfunding as an option to raise to raise funding for their company? Yeah. So firstly, there's a few. Uh, types of crowdfunding, right? So there's, you know, perks-based crowdfunding, which is what most people think of when they hear crowdfunding. So that's Kickstarter, Indiegogo. That's, you know, basically pre-revenue or a discount on a product or a perk. Um, And so that's a great fit. Obviously, a lot of very early stage entrepreneurs, maybe pre-product launch is a great way to raise. Oculus Rift is an amazing example of that. Um, So their backers on their, I think it was their Kickstarter campaign, you know, enabled them to um, put out a product. They then later got acquired by Facebook. And there's there's a case study I saw online of like 
Imagine if Oculus Rift had done an equity crowdfunding campaign as opposed to a Kickstarter Ooh. campaign. <laughs> then rather than the you know, angel and VC investors making a ton of money, the, the crowd that backed them would all have made, made a ton of money. So, yeah. so uh, investment crowdfunding as opposed to perks-based crowdfunding is where you're raising uh, investment capital, usually equity. We do some debt as well and we fund it. Um, but usually equity. So if you're raising from angel investors or even if you're doing a friends and family round, uh, you know, you can instead um, do that on WeFunder. And a uh, long-winded way of answering your question, but in terms of the companies that are best fit for WeFunder, I mean, you know, broadly speaking, if you're raising 50K to a couple of a million, um, we can help you to do that more easily. Um, but I think the sweet spot is probably B2C, one, because you have an audience of customers that you can then email the campaign to and say, or promote it on social media and say, hey, you know, you love the product. Now you can invest in the company. And secondly, because if you're a B2C company, if you recruit an army of investors um, from your customer base or prospective customer base, that's going to be, uh, you know, more loyal customers who spend more money on you versus your competitors who have a super high net promoter score and a, a brand ambassadors for the company. So I think B2C tends to be the sweet spot, but just over the last few months, we've raised you know a couple of million dollars for several B2B uh, startups. So certainly not restricted to um, the consumer-facing sector. Yeah, it seems like such a, a huge benefit to have all those backers behind you because yeah, they're going to be evangelists for your company and help you along the way as you're growing to spread the word to you know use your products, whatever it may be, which is a huge benefit for this type of route. And what I would like to know, though, is what is the process like for an entrepreneur, you know, using WeFunder from beginning to actually having a campaign up and running a campaign? I want to at least start with what is the process in the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. So I lead the business development team at WeFunder. So me or someone on my team initially will talk to um, every company that we launch just to set clear expectations. Um, you know, what are the pros and cons of running an equity crowdfunding campaign on WeFunder? Um, and then, uh, you know, just kind of set up um, the uh, the campaign for success. We then connect the founder to an account manager on our team. Uh, and they then need to file what's called a Form C with the SEC. This is what legally unlocks a regulation crowdfunding campaign. The process of doing that varies, um, can be a few days. Um, I think the average is three or four weeks. Um, so getting together the legal disclosures, financial disclosures, putting the campaign page together, figuring out a fundraising strategy, and then pulling the trigger on the campaign and launching it. Obviously, you want to um, have tried to get your ducks in a row before you launch so that there's a big bang. When you launch the campaign, that then builds momentum early on, and hopefully you close it super quickly. Uh, you know, we've, we've had companies raise seven figures in uh, less than a week on WeFunder, several actually over the last few months, during Jeez. which time we've seen a lot of growth through COVID. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you can um, leave a campaign up for, for longer if it's going more slowly. I think the average fundraise lasts about three months. So call it a month of uh, prep time to launch, three months to, to raise the money. That's an average. But obviously, if you have a super hot startup or a huge audience or you're, uh, you know, very creative in terms of hustling and marketing and getting the word out and raising the money, um, it can go quicker than that. And you said like the pre-launch thing, a month of that. Like what are some of the things that companies are typically doing to prepare to really have the, the best possible launch, I guess, they could with WeFunder? Yeah, so maybe three buckets. One is kind of legal financial disclosures, kind of compliance, SEC stuff, just making sure every I is dotted, every T is crossed, um, set, it, set it up right. 
Um, uh, that includes the terms of the offering. So you're raising on a convertible note, a safer price round, what's the valuation, et cetera. Um, secondly would be uh, the campaign page. Um, so, you know, the video, which honestly, you know, especially with Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you see these like super glossy marketing videos. <laughs> that, that's all good, you know, especially if you're B2C, like it's yeah. definitely not, not, not bad to have an awesome video like that. We're actually recommending that the video you upload is just you talking into an iPhone camera, uh, you know, um, yeah. about about the business as the founder. That's ultimately what investors are investing in is you as the founder and the vision you have. And so that's that's kind of, you know, makes it relatively easy. But, you know, making the campaign page really jump out to investors, grab their attention, and, and our team will, will kind of work with founders on doing that. And then the third bucket is is the fundraising um, plans. So, you know, lining up uh, angel investors to invest on day one to kickstart momentum on the campaign, uh, you know, figuring out your list of who you're going to email, who you're going to call, um, friends, family, maybe there's a social media push, um, an email blast to your customer base. So all, all of the things which... And it's really cool, right? Because without before regulation crowdfunding, normally if a startup's raising in Reg D, they can't do any of these things to fundraise. Um, regulation crowdfunding allows you to, I, I mentioned you can raise from unaccredited investors as well as accredited investors. You can also publicly promote the offering, right? Yeah. So a founder could come on the Just Go Grind podcast and talk to your audience about their company and say, hey, you know, go over to wefunder.com and you can invest in, you can invest in my company. So uh, I think that that whole kind of fundraising plan um, is is another um, one of the things that a founder will want to be working on in the few weeks before launching the campaign. Yeah, and I've actually had so Christine uh, Utram from uh, Everyday. She, I know she founded. She was funded on on WeFunder as well as Ed Vincent from Festival Pass is on there right now as of yeah. uh, October twenty twenty. Are you so going to claim the credit too. then for Christine raising one point three million? <laughs> she, she was well, she really languishing. <laughs> she was really languishing, and then she yeah. came on the Just Go Grind podcast, and all of a sudden, boom, one point three million in her bank account. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in she's, seven she's in seven awesome. hours only. Actually, too, it only took seven hours, and she raised the whole thing and all. Right after just go grind. New so record, I will take new record. 100% credit for that. <laughs> and you had talked about as well, Johnny, just going back for a sec about, you know, you're talking to the, the founders in the beginning when they kind of just getting started and getting set up about some of the pros, cons. Can you go through maybe a few of those or, you know, talk through that a little bit for founders? Yeah, absolutely. So I normally highlight um, three potential concerns or downsides of, of WeFunder. Um, the first is that you do need to publicly disclose financials. So obviously every founder that launches with us is, is fine with that and is comfortable with that. But there are some founders for whatever reason uh, that want to keep their financials close to their chest. And so if you're not comfortable publicly uh, disclosing uh, financials, then that's certainly, uh, you know, it's just not a, <laughs> not a good platform for you. And, and kind of more broadly, like it, it is a public way to raise raise capital, right? So you've got to be kind of, you know, all in on that and excited about that as opposed to, you know, reticent about that. The second thing is that uh, you, it, it takes work, right? So Christine says this, I don't know if she mentioned this on, on your podcast, but she came on our podcast and she mentioned this. It's it's hard work to, to one, run a WeFunder campaign, or at least it normally is, you know, like Lost Spirits is a distillery in LA. They raised 2 million from their fans in a week and really just by sending a couple of emails. So if you have a huge <laughs> audience, you know, or if you're a really hot startup and you can find an awesome lead investor who's going to promote you to their network, it can actually be pretty easy 
But I think most founders, especially if you're raising a million dollars, usually it's going to be work. Um, you know, it's you're running a marketing campaign, um, you're, you're hustling, you're, you're putting yourself out there. Um, and so I, I say that just because I like to set realistic expectations. If, if someone's coming in and just expecting, well, we're just going to launch the campaign on WeFunder and watch the money roll in. I, I just kind of want to set realistic expectations up front. Um, and then the third thing is a little bit more kind of subtle, I think, but um, at least historically, I think uh, equity crowdfunding has been looked down on by, uh, for example, like VCs. Um, I think the main reason for that was because uh, you were bringing on a thousand people to your cap table, yeah. which until earlier this year was the case with WeFunder. And so that was obviously you know problematic. And um, we made some uh, really important changes to our product and the way we structure investments earlier in 2020. Um, and since then, we can now roll up individual investors to one line on the cap table. So the pragmatic um, concerns um, from follow-on investors have pretty much... Um, uh, been taken care of. I think there's still maybe some subtle uh, kind of, you know, negative um, stigma maybe where some people say, oh, you know, you had to go to crowdfunding because you couldn't raise from real investors. For me, I think that's just becoming less and less real. Uh, and as more and more, you know, companies have success raising follow-on financing as many on WeFunder have. Um, and as there's more and more success stories, I think that's just you know, I think a, a VC is going to get in trouble with their LPs if they pass on a great company because what they, they did a, a crowdfunding campaign for one of their earlier rounds. Um, and for me, if you're a confident founder, it's just like, you know, if you're talking to a VC in a Series A uh, meeting, you have a growth curve to support that. Yeah. Um, and so if you just kind of, if your message is, well, yeah, I raised through crowdfunding because I thought it would do good things for my business to bring on an army of investors. And here's the growth curve since I raised on WeFunder, it's up and to the right because, you know, in, in <laughs> part because, you know, these investors that I brought on in the WeFunder round have, have helped to, you know, grow my business. And here I am talking to you. And so uh, it, it's, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty subtle and I think yeah. it's becoming less, less of a thing over time. Yeah. And Johnny, on the note of investors as well, I mean, I know there needs to be a lead investor in terms of WeFunder going through that. How does that work? What's that process like getting that, Johnny? Yeah. So uh, lead investor is required now for every WeFunder campaign. And that's um, someone who is, uh, you know, it's not not quite the same level of um, uh, investment um, or responsibility as there is in, you know, being a lead investor in a Series A, for example. Um, it's someone who invests uh, as minimum of a thousand bucks. Average is working out about twenty k, um, but that lead investor is then going to be featured prominently on the campaign page. They're helping you as the founder to negotiate on the terms, um, and they're also earning five percent, basically carried interest on on the whole round. So they're financially incentivized to play this role. Um, and so the idea here is that. If you are a um, founder and you're trying to close this awesome angel investor, then if you can have them be the lead investor on your WeFunder campaign, firstly, the financial compensation piece helps you to close them. And then secondly, you know they're going to be featured on the campaign page, which is going to boost your credibility and increase conversion rate on any site traffic to the page to invest. And then also if they can get their network to, to come in behind them, that's really going to help you to execute and, and 
get to your get to your maximum goal. Um, so that's the lead investor role, which is also new. It's kind of related to the one line on the cap table thing uh, that we rolled out earlier this year. And the lead investor is also voting for the shares of the individual investors. Um, so the investors are kind of protected, um, but but the lead investor is the one signature that the founder needs to get in the event of a follow-on financing or corporate action. And and just to go back to because I, I chatted for about 10 minutes on the, <laughs> the downsides of equity crowd money and didn't actually say the pros of it, which I probably should, given yeah, that's my job. Yeah, probably should. <laughs> <laughs> the two the two main value props I give of uh we funded the first we've already touched on, which is, you know, um, kind of recruit an army of uh, champions and brand ambassadors, loyal customers. I wrote a blog post on this, actually. If you Google uh, raising capital, recruiting customers, Johnny Price, you'll find it. And uh, it's it's a data-driven example of how this one company, which was B2C, uh, and they sold exclusively through their own website, so they had pretty rich sales data. They shared that sales data with us, and we were able to, um, they anonymized it, but then we matched it to WeFunder investor data. And we were able to see that two things. One, uh, they had people that invested in the WeFunder campaign that were not previously customers who then went on to become customers um, for the first time and spending tens of thousands of dollars uh, a month with the company. Um, and then also com- existing customers that they had uh, who invested then went on to spend a lot more over time um, with the company than uh, customers who were spending a similar amount before the campaign but didn't invest. Yeah. Um, so kind of basically reducing churn, increasing LTV. So kind of getting getting more you know people involved in the business is the first value prop and then the second one probably even bigger for most founders is this is just an easier way to raise capital uh and so you know whatever you're doing to raise capital from accredited investors angel investors in a reg d you can still do that on WeFunder. <laughs> you can take them in through the campaign you can even take them in outside of WeFunder if if you want to for whatever reason um but then you can also you know, one, raise from unaccredited investors, two, publicly promote the offering. And then three, you get in front of WeFunders, um, 700,000 strong registered user base who typically accounts for about 40% of the campaign. Um, so just by the marketing that we do to our investor base, <laughs> you're going to, you know, maybe you double the amount that you're bringing from your own kind of fundraising, yeah. um, which is a big, a big part of the value proposition. Um, so those, you know, Recruiting an army of brand ambassadors and champions, and then making it easier to raise raise the money and more quick to raise the money, are the two big uh, advantages, and why I think more and more founders are, are going this route. Yeah, and I know you you mentioned earlier on in this interview about you know, debt versus equity. Can you take us through a little bit more on the type of structure people use typically when they're raising with WeFunder? I know there's there's both those, but there's also some other ones. You yeah, know, RevShare, otherwise, well, I want to hear a little bit about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Probably about 90% of the capital raised on WeFunder is equity at this point, which is roughly split a third, a third, a third between price rounds, convertible notes, and safes. Uh, we, we went through YC ourselves back in 2013, and um, we, we kind of used the YC uh, post money safe as our standard template, which a founder can use to you know save some money on, on legal fees um, as well. So that's kind of the vast majority. But yeah, you know, being an open platform, we, we are flexible when it comes to investment contracts. And so um, some some founders, because we do tech startups, right? But we also do bricks yeah. and mortar, like breweries and distilleries and coffee shops. And so, you know, there are a, a few founders that have done just a straight interest rate loan on WeFunder. Uh, and then we have revenue share, as you mentioned, um, which is kind of, I would say, in, in the middle between, you know, conventional equity investments, 
um, where the investor is looking for that hockey stick, looking for that exit and kind of, you know, conventional debt investments, which are usually collateralized with a fairly low interest rate. So a revenue share deal might be, you know, the founder borrows half a million and uh, says we're going to pay back 2x that or 3x that to investors. And it's higher risk than a standard loan. It's not collateralized. And so, you know, the investor is is taking on a higher risk and so is compensated with a higher interest rate. Um, but, you know, from the founder's perspective, if, if you're building kind of, you know, a tech company, even if you're paying a 3x multiple on a revenue share investment, <laughs> that's a lot less than, <laughs> you know, if uh, than the multiple on an equity yeah. investment. Um, and so for some for some founders uh, with cash flow, uh, you know, a revenue share structure might be the way to go. And yeah, the, the cool thing about being a, an open platform is that we can be very, very flexible to, to whatever contract is going to work for a founder and, you know, the lead investor initially and then other investors on, on WeFunder subsequently. And Johnny, I know we haven't really talked about this yet, but what separates or what's the difference, you know, from WeFunder from other crowdfunding that are also equity crowdfunding? I know you mentioned Kickstarter and Indiegogo as more perks based, but in terms of other platforms out there, what separates WeFunder from other ones? Yeah, so WeFunder is the, the largest uh, regulation crowdfunding platform by by market share. Um, Start Engine is uh, number two, and then Republic is number three, and then there's a lot of other um, smaller platforms as well. Um, I think a uh, couple of things. I think that the main one is that um, the, we're trying to build WeFunder to work for the best companies. Um, so everything about how we're structuring the investments, for example, we use a custodian structure that truly allows investors to be rolled up to one line on the cap table. Um, I think the structure that we've um, used for managing these investments, which facilitates convertible notes and, and safes, um, which allows for investors to invest in preferred stock, um, it's a regular YC safe that converts at the next financing round as opposed to converting at exit. Like we, you know, investors have voting rights, albeit proxied through the, through the lead investor. So a lot of the ways that we're, we're structuring the investment through the custodian and then the lead investor um, component being another feature of that, which I don't think any of our competitors have that. It's working. <laughs> it's, it's working <laughs> for investors and yeah. it's working for founders. So the whole structure of the model, I think we're, we're gearing towards working for the best YC um, founders. Um, I, I think our product is, is very good as well, both the investor UI um, so basically optimizing conversion from site traffic to, to checkout um, and also the tools for founders on the back end, um, all of the, the kind of, you know, email infrastructure we have, um, et cetera. So, so those are probably the, the three, the three reasons that I give to differentiate us versus our competitors. I think we're fun, cool people as well. Um, <laughs> our founders I'll, I'll helped agree to, with that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Our founders <laughs> helped to write the laws. Uh, we, you know, founded WeFunder back in 2012, um, have been fighting the good fight for a while. We're a public benefit corporation and a B Corp. So I think we're all in, in this for the right reasons. Like we're all pretty mission, mission driven um, at WeFunder. So, gen, you know, genuinely in this to try and just help founders and get more capital flow into founders and especially underrepresented founders um, throughout the country. And, and taking a step back, how did you join WeFunder in the first place, Johnny? Yeah, so my uh, my background is um, I grew up in the UK, as you can probably tell from, <laughs> from my accent. I, I started my career in management consulting, did that for four years, then went to volunteer at a nonprofit called Kiva. Um, which is uh, does kind of crowd, 
crowdfunded microloans for entrepreneurs around the world. Um, it based in San Francisco. So volunteered there for a few months, then went back to consulting. Um, but after another year or so in consulting, um, left to join Kiva full-time in 2011. So I joined uh, Kiva, they founded in 2005. So I joined full-time in 2011 to basically lead a pilot program that was uh, disrupting the Kiva model. Um, so Kiva uh, was usually making loans through these microfinance institutions around the world. And I was, uh, my team was uh, basically trying to take out that middleman and lend directly to the entrepreneurs. Um, both in Kenya and the US we launched, which turned out to be a massive, massive mistake. <laughs> uh, uh, and so then I ran that team for seven years, um, grew it from, you know, basically just me and one other guy, Akash Trevetti. Um, we made uh, 5,000 loans to US entrepreneurs, um, $25 million, zero interest, very focused on low moderate income entrepreneurs, a lot of loans to women, a lot of loans to entrepreneurs of color. Um, very, very proud of what we did there. Um, and then there was a new CEO who came in in late 2017 and, uh, he, he wanted to take the program in a different direction. So we parted ways, um, <laughs> shall we say, uh, and, uh, I can go into more detail on that if you want, but, um, yeah, in, in early 2018, then, uh, joined WeFunder, um, as director of business development and have been here for the last two and a half years. And we've seen, we've seen a lot of growth in that time. It's, um, I think COVID has kind of really accelerated that in the last few months. I think, you know, yeah. founders have maybe found it a little harder to raise capital from angels. Plus, um, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, it's harder to raise kind of in-person meetings with angels, right? <laughs> so a little difficult, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I feel like people in Silicon Valley are like relatively germaphobic as well. So like, it's, it's even more so than than maybe in a place like here in Tennessee where I'm based now. But you know, a digital platform then as as a way of raising money becomes relatively more attractive. And so we did two and a half million of investment volume in February, but um, we're on track to do over seven million um, this month. Uh, and so we, we've seen a lot of growth over the last few months. And the SEC are currently uh, looking at lifting the cap on regulation crowdfunding from 1.07 million to 5 million. So if they do that, I think um, the growth of this sector, regulation crowdfunding is, uh, I mean, it's it's very, very exciting. And, and we looked at the UK sector as well, where I'm from. And uh, if you look at equity crowdfunding as a, a share of like angel investing or VC, it's a lot, lot bigger in the U UK uh, and so if we can get up to a similar market share of, of what there is in the UK, I think, um, there's going to be a lot of growth uh, for WeFunder over the coming years. And just again, going back to why did you want to be in this space? I know you were at Kiva and I'm, I'm pretty familiar with them as well, but in terms of the crowdfunding and in terms of, uh, like financing startups and founders like for you personally, why, why this space? Yeah, so I think it was kind of a little serendipitous how I got into it. Oliver Wyman had this nonprofit fellowship scheme. I did that. I came to Kiva. I was excited about Kiva more because of the kind of international economic development angle, um, poverty alleviation angle, rather than the crowdfunding piece. Um, but then kind of over the years, seven years at Kiva, I kind of just thought a lot about crowdfunding as an idea. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see like the blogs I wrote over those seven years, the language I used, like the evolution of the thinking. Um, and so now at WeFunder as well, and there's kind of two things which really excite me about crowdfunding, right? Both around kind of democracy. So, you know, the first is on getting more capital flowing to founders and 
leveling the playing field for founders. So right now, less than 3% of venture capital goes to female-only founder teams versus like 80% to male-only founder teams, which is just so insane to me. Um, and if you look at, you know, by ethnicity as well, 1% of VC going to African-American founders, 77% going to three states, California, New York, and Massachusetts. So a big part of what um, I work at WeFunder to do is, you know, get more capital flowing to women of color in Nashville, where I am, or, you know, <laughs> Cleveland, or, you know, outside of the coasts. And if the investors look like the founders, because we're, we're kind of busting open this kind of historic regulation where you had to be a millionaire to be an investor in startups, then I think a community-based, democratic, people-based approach to financing startups can hopefully lead to more equitable outcomes, as it does in, in politics. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we have a democracy in politics. We think democracy leads to more kind of equitable outcomes in our political decision-making versus an aristocracy or a monarchy. And so crowdfunding is, is democracy applied to finance, right? And so then the other, the other piece there is on the investor side. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of wealth that's being created by investing in startups now, right? Like more yeah. and more wealth is being created now pre-IPO versus post-IPO where it was uh, two or three decades ago. So if the only people that get to participate in that wealth creation are millionaires and billionaires, then that is another force that is kind of concentrating, uh, you know, wealth um, in the hands of a very, very elite few, which we've been seeing over the last few decades. So I give the story of Jason Calacanis, um, who invested, uh, as, as I understand it, invested 25K in Uber and made 125 million in their IPO. Uh, <laughs> so like a 5,000x return, right? And it's like, what if what if that $25,000 had been split around 125 middle-class Americans investing $200 on WeFunder, yeah. right? You know, then, uh, you know, th then th that would have created like 125 millionaires rather than uh, one existing millionaire now becoming, you know, $125 million more, uh, more wealthy. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the, the democracy piece on the... Uh, on the investor side and, and both the founder side and the investor side, uh, I get kind of excited about. Um, and above all, that's kind of why I work for WeFunder and I'm in this crowdfunding world. And on the investor note as well, I mean, what is the minimum investment typically or how many investors are investing in these deals from WeFunder? Yeah, so uh, minimum is a hundred bucks. Average is a thousand bucks. So if a company raises a couple of million on WeFunder, and I say a couple of million, you might have heard me say before, 1.07 million is the current max of regulation crowdfunding per the SEC. Yeah. Um, if a company goes past the 1.07 million, we open up a regulation D round on top of the Reg CF round where they can keep raising from accredited investors. Uh, and say so the combination of uh, a million in Reg CF and a million in Reg D is how, for example, Immersed raised a couple of million um, last month or GrowGuru, which is an ag tech company in San Diego, uh, raised a couple of million dollars last month. Um, so, but, you know, if a company raises a million dollars on WeFunder, on average, they're raising that from a thousand people investing a thousand dollars each. And on average, that's splitting in terms of investment volume, roughly 50-50 between accredited investors and unaccredited investors. And from that as well then, so, I mean, what have been some of the, I'm obviously like talking about like exits, like the Uber IPO and stuff. I mean, it's been around for a number of years already in terms of WeFunder. What are some of the, either the best companies that have come out of WeFunder or even exits that have happened after WeFunder? 
Yeah, so um, one really cool example from, from the earlier days is, is Beta Bionics. Um, they raised a million dollars and we funded to make an artificial pancreas. Um, they uh, just raised a 56 million Series B from Novo Nordisk and other, other strategic investors. Um, before the launch of regulation crowdfunding in, in May 2016, um, the Jobs Act passed in 2012, then it was four years before the SEC rolled out the regulations in May 2016. So during that time, uh, we were focused on accredited investor crowdfunding, what our founders kind of jokingly refer to as rich people crowdfunding. <laughs> so during that time, we could roll investors up to one line on the cap table. Um, and so we got into some awesome deals like Xenofits, Checker, Ginkgo Bioworks, and Rappi, a four unicorns that... that um, we funded um, had on the platform and we funded investors were able to participate in. Um, so none of those have exited yet, but you know, on paper, um, they're, they're unicorns now. Um, and then when, when regulation crowdfunding launched in May, 2016, we couldn't do the one line in the cap table thing again. And when you're raising from unaccredited investors in smaller amounts, that means, you know, it, it's a real problem from a cap table perspective. And so then I think, you know, it was harder for, for us to get in these really, really high quality deals. But now um, in, in 2020, having kind of fixed that, I think that's that's starting to change again. And so Immersed is, is a really cool example from earlier this year, um, VR company that um, is partnering with Facebook, who raised a couple of million dollars in less than a month. Um, the lead investor in, in them was Daniel Ha, who was co-founder of Discuss, went through YC back in 2007. So it's it's really exciting for us to see not just the growth and the quantity of deals with COVID, but also the caliber of founders and startups um, that, that we're seeing over the last few months is is significantly higher, which is really exciting. Yeah, just looking at obviously the people I've I've talked to who have gone through WeFunder and other ones I've just kind of looked at. I mean, people, it's interesting to see where this is going to go and. Kind of on that note as well, one of the last questions I have is just where, what's next for, for crowdfunding? What do you see as next, especially if that $5 million cap is, is changed? Like, what, what do you see as next in terms of crowdfunding overall, Johnny? Yeah, so I'd say maybe two things. The first is just continued growth, right? So the SEC, if they lift the cap from 1.07 to 5 million, all of a sudden that you know becomes a lot more um, attractive to, to even more startups. And I think you know th there's, there's very strong network effects here, right? So... On Uber, the more drivers there are, the more passengers, uh, you know, have, it's a better experience for passengers. The more passengers there are, the better it is for drivers. Exactly the same on WeFunder, right? The better startups we have, that's really exciting for investors. And by the way, the startup founders are also recruiting a lot of investors from their network that might not have WeFunder before. But then the more investors there are, the better it is for founders because the more investors we can put you in front of and the more money we're going to help you raise from the WeFunder investor base. So it's very strong kind of double-sided um you know, network uh, effects on, on the marketplace. So I think the, the growth is going to be very, very exciting over the coming years. And, you know, going, going back to the kind of the stigma or the, the prestige um, point earlier, it's like, you know, the more success stories there are, uh, the more, you know, once we start to see some big exits from, from crowdfunding, uh, I think, you know, that's also going to um, help to accelerate the growth. Um, so that's, that's one thing, uh, you know, if, <laughs> kind of related as well, I look at the, the, the quality of our infrastructure and, you know, tools for both founders and investors, yeah. our product, for example, the, the seamlessness of our operational processes versus, you know, two or three years ago, um, when I joined and it, it's, 
right? That like it's all gonna that's there's, there's so much kind of low hanging fruit, but yeah, that, that, that's exciting from a growth perspective. And then the other thing, and this kind of goes back to what I said earlier, is kind of one of the the leading differentiators of WeFunder versus our competitors is um, we just want to keep building a product that works better and better for founders. Our CEO's vision is, you know, it, if we're just like an easier place to get money, right? A quicker a quicker kind of easier place for a founder to raise a million dollars in a seed round that's table stakes right we we want to be you know competing with angelist syndicates like maybe some small small vcs where it's like okay well if you could raise money on WeFunder versus you know going the conventional angel route if you could easily raise money either route over time more and more we want founders to be choosing to go the WeFunder route for example, because they really buy into this idea of, you know, the power of recruiting an army of brand ambassadors and champions, or because, you know, we're building this, this network of mentors um, uh, who, you know, can, can add value um, and support founders um, through their journey. Um, so that's uh, basically just trying to make the product work better and better and be about so much more than just the money. Is yeah. uh, really the division we have over the coming years. So. And Johnny, where can people go to learn more about WeFunder and then connect with you as well if they would like to? Yeah. So I think were you going to put a link on the um, Just Go Grind? Yeah, website? it's already it's already live. Yeah, WeFunder. Awesome. So that I mean that's probably um, the best place. Just go to Just Go Grind um, and and you'll see a link on there. Um, and my email if anyone is still still listening and wants to uh, chat. So. <laughs> To me about WeFunder, I'm Johnny at WeFunder.com, J-O-N-N-Y at WeFunder.com. Awesome. And for people wondering, like I said, just go grind.com slash WeFunder if you want to learn more more there and uh, hear about the little partnership we have going on here, which is, uh, which is very exciting. And Johnny, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a really fun conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.